Hello, welcome everyone. Welcome to an all new Process Mining Cafe. Uh, today we are talking about measures and targets. And for this uh, topic, Rudy and I, we are joined uh, by two guests, uh, Jan van Moll. Uh, Jan is head of quality assurance as, at Philips Healthcare and his colleague uh, Mutu Velan Varatarajulu, a master blade belt and senior quality manager also at Philips Healthcare. Hello Mutu, hello Jan, welcome. Hello. Hello, thank you. Hello to everyone. <laughs> Thanks a lot for, for joining us. We will drive, dive into the topic right away. But before that, we have two um, small housekeeping notes. First of all, I want to remind you that you can all uh, talk to us while we're on the air. So you can join the chat just on this website below this video. Just enter your name. You don't need a password or anything. And then, um, yeah, you can... Join us there. We will keep an eye on the chat and bring in your, your questions uh, throughout the session. And the other uh, thing I wanted to let you know is that due to popular demand, uh, we have actually now a version of the Postmining Cafe as a podcast. So some of you uh, have told us that they like to listen to the cafe and they like to listen at, um, to podcasts in general. So there's, of course, a lot of convenience to having a good podcast player. And um, so we also offer the cafe now in Yeah, all the all the popular platforms. There will be an announcement for that on the blog soon, so you'll see that uh, also on the mailing list, um, and we will share the links. But basically, if you just search for Prosmining Cafe, um, yeah, you will find it there. And let us know how that works for you. Let us know if any platform is missing. Um, yeah, so even more ways uh, to listen to, in this case, the Prosmining Cafe. Now, at the Prosmining Cafe, we are always talking about any specific topic. And um, in, of course, a prospecting topic, but it's always related to a specific application area or a specific use case or role. And today it's a little bit of both. Huh? We are on the one hand side, um, Jan and Mutu, you're, you're coming um, yeah, from the whole quality assurance area in, yeah, in a manufacturing company. So that is a certain context and we will talk about that. But we will also talk about prospecting and statistics and how that can be combined. And in fact, we have a very concrete example that Rudy and I will share um, based on an approach that uh, Mutu and Jan have developed that we think will be very useful for, for many of you out there who are using process mining if you want to go uh, a step deeper. So we will, we will come to that a little bit uh, in, in a bit, in a moment. Um, now to get started with this whole topic, um, Jan, maybe we can start with you and you can tell us a little bit more about um, yeah, why do you did start using process mining in the beginning. Yes, yeah, and indeed I can um, elaborate on that. So, so as you already uh, referred to in the beginning on, uh, while opening this session, uh, both Mutu and me work for Philips. Uh, we are working um, for a medical device company. Uh, we, we are in a heavily regulated industry. And basically the starting point for us in everything we do is, is, is safety and quality. So that's basically the essence of everything we do inside of the company. And to allow us to do so, we obviously have uh, a quality management system to ensure that. And actually the quality management system was uh, one of the starting points for us to start looking into uh, process mining. So just to give a high level overview for those who are not really into the details here, um, We have a quality management system that consists out of, let's say, around 20 key processes uh, that govern how we work. 
And these processes every day generate a lot of data. It's data that we keep in our electronic systems. And just to give you an impression, think about uh, complaint handling. So from time to time we get uh, a complaint coming out from the market. That complaint is being handled by our teams. And obviously that complaint becomes an electronic record. So that's just to give an impression of the type of data I'm referring to. Um, and of course, we do analysis on that data. We have always been doing so. Uh, with process mining, we actually saw that it enabled us to look uh, actually below the hood. So look deeper into the processes we are using uh, because we gave, we get more insight, for instance, into how processes are actually being executed. Uh, we get a better understanding with process mining also on how actually uh, uh, the process has been performed based on historical data. So looking at flows of records, for instance, looking at the different variants that process mining uh, gives us insight to. And that also allows us to give uh, different or to have different ways, for instance, of doing compliance checks. So again, just to give you an impression of that, Process mining, as the audience probably is very aware of, gives you an overview of all the variants within the process. Well, some of those variants might, for instance, be not fully according to the defined process that we want to use. So that immediately would flag um, paths that were taken through a given process that actually would need a correction, for instance. So there were numerous reasons why we actually wanted to have process mining um, being used as a pilot on top of the quality management system. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I'm, I'm curious for the quality processes that you mentioned. You mentioned complaint mm -hmm. handling process. Can you give some other examples for the people who are not so familiar with that area? Because it's not so much the production process itself, but it's more the processes no. around it. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah, indeed. So basically a quality management system is, is holding all the processes that a company um, needs in order to manufacture and design and, and eventually market and service their products. That that's also holds for us as a medical device company uh, with several differences. Like in our case, what I already mentioned in the beginning, we are in a highly regulated business. So the quality management system also ensures that we are meeting all the, the directive standards and laws that exist around the globe in our case related to medical devices, obviously, but it also holds processes in addition how we want to operate as a business. So it, it's a hybrid between business uh, initiated processes and quality initiated processes, but it, it goes end to end. So we have processes around uh, how we do design, how we do manufacturing, how we do service, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So to add to Jan's point, actually, uh, there are even uh, the business critical projects um, like Lean or Kaizen, um, where uh, process mining will be very handy uh, in going through in the entire data. The one beauty of process mining is that we are not sampling, that we are not taking picking few points uh, to check whether the improvement is significant or not. So we are taking the entire data. So entire data goes through the process mining at a click of a button and it gives the report whether the improvement is significant or not. So uh, not only quality, but it can be uh, used for anywhere, as Mian was mentioning, uh, whether it is in design, even for design, uh, for example, the design changes when we make it, 
that that is also a process is that process working well for that also we applied uh, process mining and it through uh, it, it gave us a lot of points um, and uh, the lean manufacturing in every aspect uh, as long as we have the data with a date stamp or a time stamp uh, uh, this can be if efficiently used and that's our view yeah. our experience yeah and and Jan, uh, <clears throat> your team operates as a central team right so across these different uh, processes so does that mean that it's kind of you govern uh, the quality uh, of these processes or is the the quality of these processes governed by the team who executes this process yeah no, obviously philips being a very big international company has many people working for quality as such so it, it's a wide spectrum of people who are involved in um, both governing and operating the quality management system. So that's, that would definitely not be me in person, definitely mm -hmm. not. But it's, 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 um, it's, a distributed um, it's a distributed governance, so to speak. So typically Philips currently consisting out of several uh, sub-businesses, let me call it like that. They each have their own quality function who actually is in charge of uh, managing their quality systems. So it depends on the entity you are talking about. Uh, the view we have, if you uh, would refer back to process mining again, process mining to us was a pilot where we actually looked into, uh, and that pilot started about two years ago already, we looked into the power of process mining and how it could help us in augmenting the insights we have into the, the data that is, that is going around in those quality management systems. That's how we should perceive quality mining uh, within our context. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, so, so, yeah, um, can you, yeah, and you have applied cross mining in, in different processes there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to, to give an impression of the processes, we have used it again as a pilot for, for instance, uh, what we call defect management, uh, complaint handling. We also looked at uh, a process called CAPA, which is an acronym for corrective action, preventive action. Those are known to be highly, uh, let me call it data intensive processes um, that actually Process mining gave us a lot of insight in how these processes actually perform. Um, to be very clear on that, th those processes already were compliant to all the regulations we need to adhere to. But process mining is giving uh, additional insights, for instance, into how efficient those processes are uh, in terms of lead time, for instance, and also how variants actually perform within one given process. So to us, it was really what I quickly referred to in the beginning, look at, looking under the hood of a certain process, giving more, getting more insight based on the data analysis that process mining gives us. Yeah. yeah. And so, so one of the words in the title right it's uh, mm -hmm. called measures and targets today's session so one of the words is targets so i'm and that's also one of the things i wanted to talk about so where does the target come from is that a target that's coming from these outside regulations that you mentioned or are these targets mm -hmm. um, developed internally yeah so so targets is tends to be a little bit of over overloaded term eh? so it depends on the company you are in how how a target is being uh, first of all perceived and also how it is being set 
Uh, in our case, you should think of indeed certain directives require us to meet certain timelines. Yeah? I, I don't I don't want to go into the details exactly, but there are um, regulatory bound tight, uh, timelines uh, present actually in the current directives we have globally. So we definitely need to meet those uh, yeah, given the fact that we are in that heavily regulated medical device domain. Uh, in addition, there could be targets set by a business, for instance, um, uh, on lead times, not necessarily from a regulatory perspective, but driven by, by uh, actually business targets. So both types of targets exist. Uh, where they come from depends mainly um, on the distinction between regulatory uh, initiated or regular, regulatory grounded targets or business grounded targets. Um, sometimes it's also referred to as KPIs uh, and, and also to elaborate further on where process mining can make a difference. Um, think about having a KPI on lead time, for instance. You can have a KPI that measures lead time of a certain process. Let's say something needs to be completed within 15 working days. Now, that's definitely something you can measure where, where you don't need process mining for and you can do that in Excel. But if you want to have more knowledge about how exactly the current process is performing, uh, the KPI as such doesn't hold uh, enough information. So it could be, for instance, a situation that you are just meeting the 15 days on that target, uh, but you are very close to the border of not meeting that target. And that's something you not necessarily can uh, conclude from doing normal, normal KPI measurement and management, but process mining gives you that additional detail. And that's also what we learned uh, in the pilot we did. Yeah, actually we have, uh, we had uh, two major advantages uh, using process mining. One is like, um, as Jan was mentioning, but is it like, a, uh, is a process compliant to the defined process? Uh, certain variants, if they are deviating from it, which will be uh, thrown to us. And also, um, there is, a, as uh, uh, was discussed, like uh, KPIs, they keep performance indicators. So we have the targets. It can be a regulatory based uh, KPI, for example, the time to complete a compliant, uh, to close a compliant. Uh, that is one example. The other one is like a lean manufacturing when we work on um, the cycle time or the lead time to complete uh, a part or a manufacturing or a system kind of a thing that also can be applied where uh, the process mining will help us whether is our product, uh, our process predictable in meeting the such goals. So these are two aspects. One is, um, is the goal met or not? Other one is, is the process compliant or not? Yeah. In both aspects, yeah. Right, right. Now that's that's really interesting. So what what you have described here is that based on the target which already exists, right, either through outside, for example, regulatory, mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, requirements or internal business targets, you can then use process mining to get a more detailed insight into the actual process flow, into the variations for understanding, yeah, the nature of the process to be able mm -hmm. to manage it better, but also to see compliance uh, deviations. Uh, I think what is also interesting, the other way around, right, really sometimes we see that, that companies are maybe um, not having such a clear view yet on what their targets are, what should their ambition be, and that then process mining helps them to maybe get a sense of 
yeah, what would be actually a good target as, a, as an ambition, right? To set the target in the first place. I think that's kind of yeah. reverse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, actually, also, yeah. yeah. So there, there actually what uh, we can do also, uh, I understand certain processes are uh, not very critical, but um, they want to analyze that also. So in those cases, they can do a process mining and see um, what is the min max most likely uh, all the uh, duration. I'm talking about from the time wise. And then uh, set a, a ambitious target, like every year 20% or 15% kind of a thing, like uh, to improve the efficiency of the process. If if there is no uh, KPI that is driven from the business or from the regulatory point of view, and uh, they can have an internal target to ca continuously improve the process. Yeah. No, that's that's my view. Yeah. yeah, and it shouldn't be too ambitious, right? But uh, yeah. realistic, yeah. so it's yeah, yes. um, absolutely correct. Yeah, there, there are actually what I see in practice often there are a couple of uh, challenges, right? So if we are talking about KPIs and setting targets, or even being able to measure, right? So that that could also be a challenge. Then, of course, the first thing is if we define kind of a target, uh, is this something we define internally? Or has it a specific goal, right? So is it driven by kind of a customer demand or something we agree or something we have promised the customer as part of the fulfillment, for example? Yeah. And if we start measuring it, then kind of the discussion is, is how should we measure it, right? So is it kind of as is delivered, right? So as we say, it's actuals. Huh? So if we take the data, we do a process mining analysis and we would say, yeah, this is how we have delivered it last month. Or is it something kind of what we promise in general, right? So then it's more statistically uh, driven. Eh? That's what kind of we are discussing about. And that's often what I see also as a difference between what we say as a KPI, where we often report out to, right? The percentage of cases that have fulfilled the demand versus uh, the capability of the process, what we are kind of discussing today, right? So if we are talking about capability, then we are talking about the capability of the process in general. and. Yeah, this is kind of a little bit more a challenging uh, way to, to measure the process. Mm -hmm. But even before to get there, and that's, that's kind of what I uh, see in practice. So if we are start with a value stream mapping or a process discovery, right? If we are using process mining, then often the first question is even uh, how to define what we want to measure, right? So if we have a clear outcome, what Jan already mentioned, that we have a clear KPI, we want to measure it, then we can start measuring it. And then you can also argue, do we need process mining for that? Mm -hmm. or, or do we? Yes. Uh, but I think there are two key things, right? So if we don't know how to measure it, then process mining can be yeah, a very great tool in order to simplify the way how to measure it. So mm -hmm. how many times I have seen that people say, I, I can create a query of, out of this, and then within a few hours, it becomes so complicated that uh, it, 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 yeah, you cannot deal with this complexity and make the business decisions to make a good measurement. Uh, and, the, and the second thing is, uh, if you are able to measure it, then it's independent of how it's being executed, right? So if we want to know what's kind of the reason why we are not being able to make it, or now we are kind of in check and the process capability is okay, but maybe in the future the process drifts and then changes, then we cannot see it anymore. So, mm -hmm. so then the process mining area. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's correct, really. And, and maybe to, to add to that, one of the advantage we have uh, experienced, and again, I think that would hold for the regulated industries in general, 
so not only medical device, is that uh, we have an obligation, and that's typically an obligation in a regulated industry, to, to do internal auditing on processes. So to spot any uh, incompliant issues, for instance, or to look at improvements of your current processes. Now, traditionally, companies tend to do that based on sampling. So you have a huge amount of data, and for an internal audit, typically you use uh, manual sampling even to, to look at the quality and the performance of a process. Now, the advantage of process mining clearly stood out in our case, where for process mining, as long as you have the data in your electronic systems, uh, which we do in Philips, uh, you can feed 100% of the data. So we, we call that record coverage. So 100% of the records, a record is something, it, it's a piece of data in your quality management system. You, you can achieve 100% coverage by doing process mining. And that's something we learned is simply not feasible if you want to um, achieve the same thing manually by sampling. You, you can then, for instance, time-wise, only take 10, 10 or 20 percent of your records if you do it manually. And that really is, first of all, not only a gain in, in coverage, but also time-wise. So what Mutu quickly mentioned already, um, we, we use Kaizen, for instance, to dive into, um, into situations that we want to improve. Uh, in order to prepare a Kaizen, we had a, a very big reduction of analysis time upfront to analyze the data before going into a Kaizen event. Uh, and that really went up to a ratio of 1 to 10. Eh? So normally where you would need 10 working days to analyze something, we, we could do it in one day based on process mining. Yeah. And these are two really great examples for what post mining can add. Huh? So this full mm -hmm. coverage from, from an audit perspective, that's really very important. I think this higher assurance is like one of the big benefits. Mm -hmm. But also, yeah, I think that's, um, I really like that you bring the example of being faster because, yeah, I mean, you have limited resources that you have to work with, right? So you have mm -hmm. to make the most of it. So if you can be more efficient, have maybe more projects or can be quicker, get started with the actual why are we doing it this way um, uh, rather than spending a lot of time preparing and understanding the situation in the first place that, mm -hmm. yeah, then you can go deeper in the analysis and actually yes. make the improvements. Absolutely. Yeah. But maybe to yeah. So now we yeah we have talked about process mining and and what it adds to just looking at targets and KPIs and measuring KPIs. But actually you have, yeah you went further right. You applied process mining on those processes and I think there are many examples that we don't even have the time here today to go into detail like where you applied this. But uh, what we wanted to talk about here today also is that you went a step further and you brought in your statistical background um, to basically enrich the cross-mining analysis also with yeah more of a statistical component and that is yeah not just to measure how something is today but yeah how it's um, how it's more in general or maybe in the future right yes mm -hmm. so Yeah, yeah, do you want to maybe talk yeah. a li little bit about that first in generally, and yeah. then we can look at the example that we have on the slide? Yes, actually, the, the statistics um, can help a lot uh, in predicting what can happen next uh, based on what has happened in the past. So um, so in this case, 
there are many many techniques that we can use it uh, we have used a, a quite a lot of techniques but of which i can say cpk the process capability index um, was very handy uh, in in analyzing the health of the process uh, why uh, why what is the differentiator is is that for example i have 10 uh, i have a goal and uh, i have taken 10 cases all the 10 cases met the goal but very close to the goal for example assuming that my target is about 10 days yeah. and everything were oh yeah okay go so, ahead. so for that let's look at the example because that's exactly the example that that we have right so yeah. to make we because we realize not everyone who's watching yes. many of you have a post mining background and yes. uh, while some of you are maybe lean six sigma black belts yourself not, not right. everyone is yes. so to make sure everyone understands this the statistical um, aspects that we are talking about we made a, uh, an example that you can Yes. And that you can see on this on the slide here that I'm I'm bringing up. So, um, yeah, basically that's the example that we can talk through now, right, uh, yes. Mutu? Yeah. Yes, yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Please, you can I? you can use yeah. that. So there are okay. six okay. different yeah. measurements. Yeah. Yes. the For target example, is ten, right? So yes. USL means upper limit, or what upper, does upper that stand for? Limit, uh, upper specification limit. Upper specification limit. The goal is that um, all the uh, thing has to go within ten days. For example, in this case. Um, and uh, uh, so there, there was one which was completed in 9.5 days and uh, nine days and so on kind of a thing. That's how it came in. And um, if you just make it like a pass pass kind of a thing, everything met. Yes, 9.5 is less than 10. It is pass. It is met. Uh, so like that, if I say all the cases have met, that means I have 100% of the time uh, it is meeting. So I can say that I'm very happy with that kind of a thing. But am I really happy? Or should I be really happy? That is what these statistics will tell us. So if you see the mean, uh, the mean is nothing but the average, the average value of all the time taken and the standard deviation across all the data that you have it. Standard deviation is nothing but it is a measure of variation. So the, the more uh, if you want the, your process to be very predictable, you want the standard deviation to be as less as possible. So. So how much less that we will not know right now by just seeing the number, but the CPK will tell. So th there is a specification. We have a mean and standard deviation that is coming from the process and we have a CPK. CPK will tell us whether the process is healthy or not. So the formula is just given very simply uh, like upper specification minus mean divided by three times standard deviation. So when you put and, and MUTU yeah. CPK stands for capability or does it stand for something else? It's a capability index. Okay, process, yes. process capability index and uh, we there are multiple things there are alti, uh, at least only two of them one is cpk another one is ppk cpk stands for as uh, process capability index for the sample data and whereas ppk is for population data which is nothing but a large uh, large volume of data but here um, typically when at any point in time we will have only the sample data that's why we are using cpk is a good metric uh, right metric to use with and um, the CPK will tell, for example, in this case, when we put in all the uh, very simple thing, uh, how much is the average time, how much is the variation that is happening, and what is my target. With these three information, if I if I measure, it's coming to 0.73. Is 0.73 good enough? I don't know. So you can see the table on the lower right-hand corner. So which says higher the better. For example, when we talk about a Six Sigma process, the CPK is around 2. Um, that is an excellent process. So then um, we have a very good process that is 1.67, 1.33, and 
less than one is considered as a very poor process that means very unpredictable process so now it, you can see it is coming to 0.73 which is lower than one that means the process is not very predictable and forget about the statistics for a minute if you see the data assess all the data all the data points are very close to the target and it also has a variation that means tomorrow when we use a new new uh, case it may fall beyond the goal it can right that is what the statistics uh, clearly says and um, for this what we have to do we have to keep our average to further away from the specification and we have to keep the standard deviation as low as possible so that they will not jump out of the goal mm, so exactly the, these are the two things uh, so if you just measure the percentage of pass 100% of the thing has passed but that 100% is not true 100% if you apply this technique and it is very real actually you can see it that way <laughs> yes. yeah. and we made a second example to explain a little bit more this kind of aspect right the statistical aspect because there's another example yeah. which um, also has six measurements and all of these six measurements also are below the target right remember the target here is 10 mm -hmm. and like in the example number one all of the six measurements are actually below the target so if you would just measure them you would say 100% met the target but to further yeah describe the actual capability of meeting this target also in the future You look at, like Mutu said, the average, but also the the deviation and the distribution. Um, so um, in this second example, right, we have actually a good example, a better example, which is has a similar mean. So also these six values have uh, a mean of around 8.8. But yeah, they are less distributed. You see it at the top in the timeline. They are more closer together. Oh. And by for that reason, it's more predictable you could say and it's more we can be more we have a higher chance that also in the future this this target would be met and a uh, second example is not shown right now oh it's not shown yeah. mm, let's go to the second example can we yes. see that uh, yeah, no, yeah we no, can, we see can see it. It. yes Yes. Okay, thank you for that. Yes. yes. So here you can see the second example on the right. Uh, again, there are six values. Um, they are 8.7, 8.9, 8.6. It's like, like measuring six times, right? Uh, the, yeah. And it's always below the target of 10. So, and even around the same mean. So the mean is 8.8. But then, because the standard deviation is much uh, smaller, uh, we get a, yeah, a higher CPK value. And then looking in the table um, that you made, it's above two, actually. It's better than, um, yeah, better Correct. than Six Sigma, right? That's Correct. The better than Six Sigma. And it's an excellent process, a best-in-class process. That means it is a highly predictable. That means you can say that your next case will most likely be less than 10. Right, right. Yeah. And well, this is like one of the many uh, tools and um, yeah concepts uh, from statistics that can be used, right? And of course, Six Sigma experts often have uh, a lot of these tools in their toolbox. But what we wanted to show today uh, is um, yeah take this approach that you, Muto and Jan, you have developed, uh, where you extended your post mining analysis with this kind of statistical dimension and Rudy and I, right, we, we want to show you an example from a process mining perspective that shows how, how that integ integrates it. So should we, should we start with the, with the example, Rudy? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And yeah. what we also can do, so if the previous example is a little bit too quick or if people are not in the context of Lean Six Sigma, so we can include a link uh, towards specifically 
the the technique uh, of uh, applying the CPK so that you can lead, uh, read a little bit more uh, background on it if you want. Absolutely, that's a good point. So when we publish the recording in two or three weeks, usually we publish the recording and we you can follow it on the blog or um, find it online. Uh, so we will share along with the recording um, yeah, the, this, the documentation of the approach and further pointers so you can, you can learn more about it and also step by step actually follow exactly what we did because we will We'll also share the templates and the documentation yeah. for that. Yeah. So, yeah, so we start with an example, right? So, really, you can talk us through the example, which is from a from a credit application process. I'm opening the file here. So now, in Disco, we open the the log file. Yeah. We have a case ID, timestamp, right? An activity name. Yeah. Yeah, so the case the case ID is a request number. Uh, the timestamp uh, is kind of the moment at which the status is changing, or when it's coming into a working uh, bin. Uh, and uh, the activity is uh, the working bin itself. And a working bin is kind of a status that is maintained by a particular team where they take out work uh, as part of the workflow. So this is like a loan application process, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. 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 So this is a loan application uh, process. Uh, so uh, it's about personal loans, even, uh, and the whole process can be started in two ways. So you can do an online loan application. So you can see it at the top. So there are twenty-two thousand uh, requests uh, coming in in this online channel, and there is a dotted line kind of bypassing the online channel, going directly into lead. Yeah, that's that one. Uh, and that means there's also another channel. There's a phone channel. So people can um, um, yeah, request a loan by directly contact, uh, contacting um, this, uh, this, this bank. Um, so we have online, we have lead. Uh, and then from the lead, most cases go to qualified lead. It's kind of an intermediate stage where um, the, also from this online channel, they contact the customer to have a conversation. Um, so one of the important things is to know whether or not um, uh, people are eligible for the loan before they actually provide them an offer, right? So uh, what's the, the, the loan request in relation to their income, for example, and how are we able to reduce the risk as much as possible? Um, the next step, if that's qualified, then they make an offer. And the offer contains of an offer package, including the contract and all the information that is needed for the customer to uh, sign the contract and provide all uh, the documents required for underwriting. And these documents are sent by post to the uh, credit team. So you see the next step is the credit approval. Uh, and as part of the credit team, they start the underwriting and the outcome can be three things. So either the loan request is rejected. So that's on the left side at the bottom. The loan request is complete or approved. So that means the contract is ready to be booked. The booking itself is done in another system, not in this workflow system, but the complete means that the booking is uh, uh, will start. Or uh, they don't have enough information to make the decision yet, and then it becomes incomplete. And so we have an intermediate incomplete stage in the middle. Uh, and then that means that they request additional information directly from the customer again, and then the credit approval process continues. And, and eventually it's possible that they are either not 
being able to reach the customer or the customer decides to take the business elsewhere. So that means the whole request is cancelled on the right, right, uh, right side. So on the left side is rejected. So that means they decide not to put the loans in the books because there's too much risk. On the right side is that they eventually, uh, yeah, the customer kind of decides not to uh, yeah, to have this loan. Yeah, exactly. And well, talking about targets, right? So this is a process that actually involves different business units. So yeah, often yeah, if there's kind of an overall target for this process, it's broken down into smaller targets that that we can then analyze with process mining, right? I think that's a nice thing that we can show here with this. Yeah, with yeah, this yeah. So the interesting thing is that there was actually, and initially, uh, before they actually started to further analyze this process, there was kind of a metric uh, about this process. And then they would say, yeah, it takes on average, it was an average, it takes on average 10 days to get this loan through. And then it was kind of the first question is, yeah, what does that mean, right? So if you look at the process, Yeah, what, what does that mean? It doesn't say anything, right? So um, if you look at the process again, then there is a big part where the customer is being involved, right? So after making the offer, and so when the offer is being made and before these documents are being returned, it can take time. So it takes the customer time to decide. And for some customers, it takes one day. For other customers, it takes 10 days or maybe even longer, right? So it depends a little bit on their demand and how quickly they actually need to loan. Um, so then the argument was, should we break up the process into yeah, more parts? And often, if you look at the, the lean part or the Six Sigma part, it's done by having kind of a CPOC. And CPOC kind of defines what's kind of the input, the part of the process, and then the output. And then it's driven from customer to customer. Uh, and in this case, there are actually two processes, right? So it's from request till offer. And so the customer is requesting an offer. And then he can make the decision. And then from the offer, uh, they return the contract. So it is from contract till the booking or the rejection. of yeah. So it's actually from credit approval, right? That's the second yeah. half of the, of the process. And yeah, so that's what we will focus on in this scenario. And there, yeah, there's a target for that as well that, that should be met just for this part, kind of the underwriting piece. Yeah, yeah. So in this particular process, they make a promise. So it's a public promise on the website. So if you return us the documents, then you have a decision about the loan. So it's either approved or rejected uh, within three working days. So that was the promise. Yeah. Okay. And so now with ProSmining, we can actually analyze this target, right, based on this promise. And to do that, first, we need to focus on this part of the process. So we can do this by a filter. So we add a Uh, in this case, an endpoints filter here where we say, okay, we start basically taking a pair of scissors and chopping off uh, everything. I think credit approval, right? That's the first step of yeah. the underwriting. Yeah. So it starts with the first occurrence of credit approval. Right? So that's kind of the definition here. And it's either complete, so the contract or will rejected. booked or rejected. And then yeah. the argument is, so if you leave in cancelled, you can see that there are still some cancelled cases in there, right? So it can happen that they are not able to reach the customer when they demand additional information and then eventually becomes cancelled. But there's no promise about these cancellations. Yeah. So if we look at the promise, then it's only complete or rejected. Yeah. 
Yeah, so now we have cut out this part of the process uh, where we and we can actually look at the goals, um, like with respect to the goal at the case durations, and we see that the median is three days and the mean is 4.4 days. But actually, um, this is calendar days, right? Per default, we're looking at calendar days, and the promise is in business days. So we can briefly adjust that to make our measurements in business days using the time warp. Uh, functionality. So for that, we will say, well, let's focus only on business days, and that's only uh, Monday through Friday. On the weekends, the yeah, the the underwriting team doesn't work. And also, if we look at holidays, we should exclude those. So let's pick the Netherlands for that. And yeah, so we say business days underwriting. And so, yeah, so now we have um, the measurements correct, right, for what we want to what we want to see. And we can see some of them yeah, still take still longer, <laughs> um, like then three, three business days. But we can now do this process mining analysis. And, and exactly what we have um, discussed before, we can actually look at the actual flow of the process. We see that there's a lot of incompletes, right? Um, that are going on. So what would be, for example, a reason? Why could this be incomplete, really? Yeah, so, uh, of course, if you look at the full process, there is the step where they provide uh, an offer, right? So an offer is contained of an offer package, and it includes uh, the requirement of the documents that need to be provided. And it can be based upon the situation, right? So uh, if someone has a pension, then of course this pension is kind of the basis for the income. Uh, if someone has a job, then of course the, uh, the, uh, the income um, uh, is part of, uh, of that. So they request kind of the documents that are needed in order to support the underwriting. Uh, and in some cases, uh, these documents are not provided or the contract is sent back without the signature. Uh, or um, uh, these documents are provided, but not fulfilling the requirements. Uh, so, for example, uh, if you look at bank statements, these bank statements cannot be older than three months. And if they are older than three months, they are yeah, not good enough in order to do the underwriting. So they need to request newer bank statements. And right. yeah, th th these are yeah, there are a lot of different scenarios, of course, but these are. Uh, yeah, the, they, these need to be analyzed in order to yeah. determine uh, what's the biggest root cause here uh, for right. these incomplete yeah. cases. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we can look at the process map, right? But also, yeah, yeah. brings us a little bit back to the scenario smooth that you were describing. So you were looking at the processes, the variations in your processes, but also working with the variance, right? So the variance uh, can be a really powerful way yeah. to look at the different. Yeah, variations yeah. actually that the process yeah. goes through. So yeah, 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 so, and so we can see the different uh, ways the process can go through from the beginning to the end. So we see a lot of the variants. Actually, variant one is already one where we have this incomplete, at least yeah, one, and some of the other variants have um, yeah incomplete even multiple times. But variant two, for example, would be the good process, right? Ideally, the, the underwriting team checks the, um, the documents mm -hmm. and then awards the loan. So it's successfully completed. We can see this here with variant two. So one thing we could do is to say, well, let's just look at for variant two, how are we meeting the target of three business days, right? So we could, for example, filter variant two um, here. And um, yeah, let's just focus on variant two for a moment. Um, 
and then yeah once we do that uh, we can measure for example and that's of course how we can measure with post mining kind of targets by measuring for example a performance target in the performance filter and then we could for example say well the three business days uh, we are still with business days here um, and then we can say um, no not hours, hours but days uh, three days exactly and then once we apply that Yeah, variant to mm, less than three business days. Yeah, and then it looks actually very good because then we can see 93% of all the cases in this variant are meeting our target. But yeah, now we're coming back to your discussion, right, Mutu, where you say, yeah. well, you, you know this yeah. is true for those samples, yeah. but what does it say about the future, right? Correct, yes. So yes. how the process is going to be healthy? Is it healthy kind of a thing? So that is what we are going to see now. Yeah, it's a good, exactly. it's a interesting point. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so basically the approach that you have developed and which we are demonstrating now based uh, on your um, template is that you start with the variants. So we go back, not just looking at variant two, but we are looking at all of the variants. Yeah. But for this um, specific subset of the process, which we are analyzing now with respect to this target of three business days. Yeah. Um, And um, then in Disco, yeah, statistics, yeah, statistics, and then extract the cases and the variance. The data. exactly, yeah. exactly. So here in the statistics tab, you have uh, the case statistics where we can see all the different statistics. We can sort. We can see what the longest cases are, for example, um, and also for the variance. Yeah. We see these overview information about these variants that we can look at in detail, right? Here we can see, of course, different examples for these variants. But in the statistics, we see the overview information about them. And from Disco, everything can be exported. So you made, made use of that and you exported uh, first the variants here. So through yeah. right-click, we can say export CSV. So we can say variants um, business days. So I just exported on the desktop here now. And I do the same right-click export to CSV. Uh, for the cases and now we can actually go to the yeah go out of this presentation here and we go into the template that you've developed and the template and we will share that with you like we said afterwards with all the pointers uh, it has three tabs so um, the summary tab is where we will see the results in a moment but there's two tabs that need to be filled and this is the variance and the cases tab and this is where we will basically just paste the information from the statistics that we just exported so yeah let me open the files that i just exported we start with the variance so if i open the variant statistics in Excel. Then yeah, what we do is we just copy the values here. Just copy. And then we go to the variance tab. And yeah, what is important and is also mentioned here in the template at the top is that you right click and then you say paste special values. So we are just pasting the values from the from the exported statistics. And so that's the first piece that we need to enter into the template mm -hmm. and then for cases we yeah, we do the same thing uh, we open the, the cases in excel yeah and now we select uh, we select all of the the values from the cases statistics export and again through right click paste special values we are pasting them 
into the second tab for the template. Yeah. And now we are saving this. And now we go to the summary tab. And here at the top, we need to uh, fill in the target, right? And we had this target of three business days. So uh, we can type three. So it's in days. The target is in days. And then actually, yeah, you see the CPK is being calculated here automatically for all these different variants. And we also see the yeah the traffic lights and yeah. it doesn't look too good right really we, we saw that yeah. <laughs> yeah. so the, so the the summary tab is automatically populated right uh, Mutu? yes yes the summary yeah. is automatically populated other than the top row where we can uh, provide how many cases we have to include for the statistics and how what is the specification limit upper specification limit because typically this is a time based so usually only the upper specification is valid not the lower specification uh, if yeah. it is done in zero day it is good for us Yeah. yeah, exactly. So. And one thing that we see here is that actually, yeah, maybe three days is too ambitious, right? Could that be the conclusion, really, if we are looking at this? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you, if you look at the CPK, yeah, so yeah. and if you remind the values which uh, should be there, right? So it should yeah. be above one minimum, yeah. kind yes. of, right, uh, Mutu? Yeah, actually, what, what, uh, variant two was talking about 93% percent uh, means meeting it. So yes. know what is the percentage right now? I couldn't see it there. Eh? Here, uh, it's about. Yeah, we can make it a little bit bigger, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, we make yeah. it bigger yeah. like this. Yeah, 1.85. But it's 36, so that's 36, a good point. Yeah. Huh? So if Correct. we if we go back to disco actually we can yes. still see it here if we go yes. to variant two yes um then we see 93 was if we are right. actually right. measuring yes. for all of the cases and Correct. it's a lot of cases it's 1700 cases Correct. 1745 yes. but yeah 93 that's just this measurement if we are talking yes. more generally statistically yes. it's a much lower percentage yes right? Yeah, so it, it talks about the predictability. That means um, in, there is a likelihood of only 35% or something like that, that in future we will be able to meet this goal. Uh, that's what it is. And uh, there are two ways to look at it. Right now, the CPKs are very, very low, very poor, less than one in all the cases. So it is right now. Um, either we go back and then see what is the bottleneck, why it is happening, find out the root cause and try to fix the process to increase the health of the process. Other way is like, okay, so this is the best possible. That means, for example, entitlement. A process, this process will work only this big, this best. So with this, what do we do? That time we can go back and then change the specification after confirming with this customer. For example, this is the customer, right? The person who is applying for the loan is the customer to the bank. And uh, is it acceptable? For example, we may have three days and then we may make it to seven days. But if the competitive company or a bank is giving at four days kind of a thing, then we will lose the town. So mm -hmm. that is how the trade-off that we have to make to arrive at the right goal. Um, we yeah, can yeah. we can change to goal, right? That's one of the things. So, yeah, for example, yeah. if we say three days is too ambitious, let's yeah. make the seven days. We can yeah. do it in the template yeah. here. Yeah. Then we will see that actually two of the variants are turning green and green. yellow, Correct. so they are yeah. more capable. But overall, yeah. I think yeah, what what we see is that it's very strict, right? So really, yeah. for I think for service processes, we do see more variations. So that's maybe also something that people need to keep in mind if they want to apply statistical concepts like CPK in their service processes that. Yeah, maybe that's something they... they 
absolutely mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. absolutely if you go to for example hemente uh, some of the processes i've seen it some process will get very quick and some processes if it is taking lot of time it is unpredictable it makes us nervous you know like what is happening and and so on kind of thing that's where the variation if it is reduced the customer will be very very happy than having an average target yeah yeah, yeah. yeah maybe Yeah, maybe to reflect on those examples that we just saw and maybe if that helps for the audience who do not have a statistical background or, or even a background in process mining. What you showed, Anna, in the beginning is, is a, a measurement, in this case coming out of process mining, of meeting the target in 93% of the cases. Uh, if you stop there, and that's where many companies also Uh, stop in terms of of KPI management. They, they have a KPI measuring this, and the outcome would be in 93% of the cases we meet the target. And yeah. at the distance, you would say, well, that that's quite okay, right? 93%. Uh, of course, it depends on the process you are looking at, but on on average, I would say it's a nice outcome. But if you then go deeper, what we saw in the second half, you you look you start looking under the hood of the process. You you take a magnifying glass. You look into the the details of the process, and you get more insight into how how far are we from the target and how is the capability of that process. Then you you get um, risk related information of uh, probability of not meeting the target in the future. Yeah, and then it really. Depends on the process you are looking at. And Mutu, you already referred to that. You use the term risk. But what is the risk in general? In general, of not meeting that target. If there is no risk, then you can say, okay, we leave it like this. Uh, we shift the target a bit to the right, and, and many CPKs become green again. <laughs> but if this is a critical process, and you don't want to accept that risk. Then you need to take further action into uh, improving either one of these variants, getting more stable, whatsoever, and that's that's the exactly the level of information I referred to in the beginning. What you normally would miss if you do traditional KPI management, quote unquote, uh, and not using process mining. So this is exactly the the additional insight um, given by process mining. Combined with, in this case, statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To re- to reflect on this particular example, um, so as we can see here, of course, the promise is three uh, business days, right? So that was kind of what was promised to the customer, and of course, yeah, what what's kind of the risk of not meeting that, right? So you made a mm-hmm. promise, then the customer will not be happy eventually. But I think the bigger risk here is is kind of what your competition is doing, right? So if the competition takes 10 days and they all take 10 days, then there's no risk because you will be by far mm-hmm. um, executing the process uh, best in class compared to your competitors. But in this particular example, competitors are going to be uh, online as well, right? So yeah, if you yeah, provide yeah. These, these kind of... Uh, uh, bank-based products or loan products online people expect to have them immediate almost right so yes yes so so then that means you should arrange this process in a completely different way and then coming to the point you need to take a look under the hood the mm-hmm. bottleneck will only be visible under the hood right so it will not be visible yes. as part of the kpi the kpi will only 
be able to sh give you an idea of how often you are not being able to to make it but where is kind of the pain point as part of the process yeah yeah absolutely and, and maybe just to to paint that picture complete uh, for the people in the audience who do have a six sigma background or a statistical background they might recognize what i'm going to say now what what you often hear in industry is uh, we need a Six Sigma process. We, we want to be as predictable as possible. But that again, depending on the risk, it's not always necessary to have a Six Sigma process for the simple reason that having a Six Sigma process, so a highly capable and stable process, comes at the cost. Yeah. That does cost a lot for a company on average to implement and maintain a Six Sigma process. So again, depending on the risk, companies need to decide wisely on where to put uh, the limits here. Yeah. yeah, I fully agree. But I think what we can learn from it, especially from a service type of industry, is that not only the outcome makes how good you are, right? So yes. also the spread and the predictability. And uh, I think they have a term in, in, in Lean Six Sigma, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of how precise you are, right? So hitting yeah. the target. Yeah. Uh, so the precise is, is a measure of standard yeah. deviation. Standard deviation is a measure of precise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's a big part of it, right? So yeah. how how precise can you can you be? And so the capability is only not weighing in the outcome, but it weighs in um, yeah how precise your process is. So if you make a mistake, how big the mistake would be, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so to give you an, uh, to give an example in this particular case, if we are making uh, maybe ninety nine percent of the cases within. Uh, the three business days and there's one which takes 60 days right is it still a good process or is it very poor right so mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah it's, uh, what I really like about this example is exactly that combination of uh, all the advantages of process mining that we already mentioned but that it that it enriches us through this dimension of what you've just described and this um, this dimension of for example consistency and uh, yeah, yeah not just are we meeting it but yeah are we meeting it in a, in a consistent manner and having this kind of statistical dimension and what you have done here Mutu and Jan is brought it broken it down into a kind of a very simple approach which is based on the variance which i think is really powerful because the variance are a very good way to to analyze a process from a process mining perspective and we have this um what we've just seen based on the template and everyone who's watching this right now and once you receive the template you can follow exactly the same steps right you can export the case statistics and the variance statistics from disco put them in the template and then analyze your own variance in this way and you also have then the way the possibility to go back again right so because what once we see the variance here uh, for example now with this new target of seven if we are looking at the overview again then we can still look maybe at some of the further variants uh, further below for example variant seven and variant eight are both still yeah in terms of numbers uh, yeah uh, significant mm -hmm. enough to look at them like 50 around 50 ish cases but we can see the big difference between variant three uh, seven and variant eight and so although both are <laughs> poor in terms of um yep. yeah the, the the kind of the the traffic light that we have here um one has a yield of 23 percent and the other one 0.2 so we could be curious like what's the difference between variant seven and eight right and if we go back to the to the process again not just here i was filtering for variant two but if we go back to all of them uh, we can look at variant seven and variant eight and then we see okay variant seven is actually 
yeah, was the, that was a poor one. We have a lot of actually incomplete, actually one, two, three, four times uh, we are going through this incomplete loop. So that explains uh, why we are really yeah, so not meeting that goal uh, at all. Yeah, so for the context, <laughs> they have to go back to the customer, request this additional information, and yeah. then getting information back, review the whole documents again, and then see, oh, we are still missing something, right? And need no. to go back to the customer again. Right. And every time it takes yeah, a couple of days before they actually get this information. Yeah, yeah we can see that if all mm -hmm. of these are all cases that all follow this variant, right? So this precise path of doing taking these extra multiple loops through the process and we can see it takes 32 days for example right and it's business days we're still kind of on the business day uh, kind of lens here but if we look at variant three at first it might seem like a good variant right where we say okay this is actually maybe not focusing on the cpk but more in, in comparison It's a relatively good one, uh, but actually, if we then look at the process, it's one where it's being rejected. Now, is, that's maybe not the outcome that we want to optimize the process for, right? So usually you would want to maybe make an offer only for a customer who you can actually also then book the, the contract with. So that's not actually a good example that we want to yeah, mm. <laughs> uh, propagate as our main scenario. So you, you have this dimension of... Um, the level of the variance, which are yeah, a way to look at the process. But then once you have this uh, analysis, you can also go back again. And yeah, like you mentioned with the targets in the beginning, in the first place, right, have this kind of understanding again from what's under the hood, what's behind this variant, actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe maybe in general, Anna, what, what we now are looking at indeed is the loan example, but If you zoom out again, what we have learned in doing the, the pre-analysis for our pilot within Philips is that if, if you would reach out to to many companies in industry, uh, there, there is always a strong desire to be very predictive when it becomes into, uh, when it becomes to um, yeah, predictability of performance. So in, in the business process management domain, and, and I think many of you in the audience are aware of that, Uh, there have been several researches where um, the, the way of doing performance management and working with KPIs has been investigated. And, and until recently, and I, I, I could look up the article uh, offline maybe, but the latest information I have seen is that still today many companies are using lagging indicators. So they have a quite strong way of doing performance management, but basically all the KPIs they use are lagging. Uh, or the majority of them is lagging. And what we have seen here is that this at least opens up a route towards becoming more predictable. So it's one way of uh, enabling a company to get more predictable uh, rather than be looking at lagging indicators only. So that's again one of the, if you zoom out, it's one of the benefits of combining statistics in this case with process mining. Yeah. Yeah. And Indy, you are talking about lagging, uh, lagging indicators, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of looking at the outcome of the process, right? And having yeah, kind yeah. of KPI for that, but then looking more on the indicators within the process that could be correlated or related to the outcome of the process, right? So to give you yes. an example, lead time. So the, uh, the specific example we look at here is uh, should be within three business days, but mm -hmm. if it becomes incomplete, does it... it does it correlate with the outcome of the process, right? So mm -hmm. if it becomes incomplete, so if we're looking at the variants, right, at each of the mm -hmm. variants which are 
bad and if they are all have this pattern of becoming incomplete and then there is a high correlation between incomplete and long-running cases mm-hmm. or these long-running um, uh, variants um, that it could be a predictor a leading yes. predictor of uh, taking more time exactly right? yes yeah. exactly yeah okay no. yeah that's very interesting. I also in the in the pre-discussion, Muto, I remember that you mentioned that a CPK is or this type of capability analysis is not used very often, right? Why is that the case? Yeah, actually, uh, it 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 will tell the truth brutally, kind of a thing. So, so that that could be one of the reason. Maybe, um, uh, for example, a process need to be very very consistent. Only then uh, the capability will be uh, will be in a good uh, good way. Otherwise, like uh, whatever they do it actually. So by having more points uh, adding and things like that uh, towards the goal, if the spread is too much. Uh, the CPK will show as a poor thing only, so it is very difficult. So maybe that could be like a. It shows the brutal truth of the process. So maybe that could be one of the reason that I'm thinking, right? Uh, why it is not that commonly used? It is commonly used. It is used very much, but not as uh, it could have been more. It could have been more. That that's my view. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. In a way, it, it brings back also the brings us back to what what uh, you all discussed earlier, right? This, yeah. That the target also needs to be justified. So, yeah. and we yeah. saw this here, even for ninety three percent for variant two. Now, yeah. on this kind of uh, with the target three, it's yeah way below that, and even just around forty percent um, possible yield. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's this. It's very strict. Huh? So, and yeah. like yeah. like Jan said before, yeah, maybe just having this goal just to be able to say well we are doing things um, six sigma yeah that's maybe it needs to be justified to put this effort in there because it is really really difficult to achieve to be so consistent all the time absolutely so it is driven by the market again the Mm -hmm. competitor if he is able to provide then we have to find a way uh, or uh, a technology or something like that uh, change the design such a way that uh, we are also meeting um, if the competitor is not there, then we can relax our a bit to a bit so that uh, it's like a benchmarking, you know, so to set the target based on benchmarking. Um, yeah, definitely there is a trade-off required to strike a right balance between uh, the effort or the cost to the benefit that we get. Yeah. yeah. And then it's also a difference between different types of processes, right? Because if if I... If if you look kind of at production type of processes mm-hmm. which are driven by machines and which are maybe more predictable uh, mm-hmm. in a sense or can be more predictable yeah. uh, compared to servers type of processes right where it requires human knowledge driven. workers or human involvement in order to make a decision absolutely yes so that is where more automation if you make it in the in the service industry also uh, the the productivity improves and then you know the efficiency also goes up mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. yeah, so the interesting part is because I, I see often that the Six Sigma way of working is not very much implemented deeply into the service type of organizations. And then you can wonder, why is this the case? That is already kind of an interesting question. Yeah. Um, but what I see in practice is that it's also yeah, kind of challenging sometimes to have these Six Sigma kind of metrics eh, as part of this, this, this service organization because, because sometimes it's so unpredictable. But what I see is kind of a shift. Eh? So a lot of these companies are working on the digital transformation. They are implementing workflows. They are automating. Some parts of the processes 
and some cases completely. Uh, they call it STP type of driven processes without any human, human involvement. Mm -hmm. And I think then it's a machine driven processor, right? So then yeah. it should be within the limits of these Six Sigma Correct. specifications, right? Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. I think that is what the technology drives, actually. That's why they get into the new technology is, is driven by this goal. Um, you know, how to meet the goal uh, kind of a thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and perhaps also it can be a way for process miners who are um, maybe, yeah, have already focused on the low-hanging fruits and uh, have optimized their processes on a certain level, understanding their processes and want to go a level deeper, right? Then taking this kind of statistical dimension can give you this this deeper understanding of, of the process. So that could be a next step. And Interesting. Yeah. 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 And even, even without having a target, right? So that, that was what yeah. I find really appealing. And so yeah. if you don't have a target yet, uh, yeah. you can have an opinion or something like that. But even without having an opinion, you are objectively saying, yes, this is, uh, this is where you're at right now. Yeah, actually, that is where actually, if you have that, if you don't have the goal, then we can do a process mining and come out with what is the most viable or the best possible, which is called process entitlement. And uh, that process, and for example, one variant is performing at a very optimal way. That means we can bring in all the other variants to that best performing level. So that is where the entitlement and uh, uh, coming out with a target based on the entitlement, process entitlement, and then we can keep on improving the process. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. the the other the other way around again. Maybe so. Um, you we talked in the beginning how you are also having kind of a central role, working with all different all different types of uh, processes and process managers. So, yeah, is there? I'm I'm curious how maybe your experience is for a topic like quality and also when you present statistical analysis like that, is, do you find sometimes that people perhaps don't have that much of an affinity for maybe statistics or that it's hard for them to understand or yeah. Yeah. the communication aspect of, of yeah, that, that, your that's, quality role? Absolutely, Anna. That, that's a challenge. Um, I, I would say for any company that I uh, have seen, it, it's always as soon as you start uh, throwing in statistics, there is some... Uh, let me call it, I don't want to call it resistance, but misunderstanding. And I think there are, there are definitely all companies, and not all, but many companies do use already some level of statistics. If you look at, let me zoom back into the, the Eindhoven region, that, that's most easy in this case. Uh, name all the big companies around Eindhoven, definitely the ones in the technology sector. They, they are using statistics for sure, but it, it tends to be somehow... Uh, isolated or siloed within certain functions. So, so manufacturing environments, definitely they do capability measurements, uh, CPKs whatsoever, for sure. Um, what we try to do is, is take those concepts and, and elevate them to the, the whole quality management system where also processes that actually were never looked at that uh, perspective um, as we showed now, all, all of a sudden came into the spotlight. So I think we managed to somehow combine two different worlds or two worlds that so far have been kept or have been living in separate domains and get to the results we, we have achieved. So yes, for sure, there needs to be quite a lot of communication to get that message across and to show the benefits of things we now saw in this session absolutely yeah. 
Great. So, and, and the companies, the technology companies which you had in mind, uh, are they actually kind of production companies or yeah, also, also yeah, service yeah. companies? Both, I would say both, okay. but more, more um, production oriented companies, I would say. Yeah. Because um, yeah, so my, my hypothesis would be uh, that if I look at the service companies, I think most of them are involved in lean or adopting kind of mm -hmm, lean methodology mm -hmm. and not even so much the Six Sigma methodology, but just for the last 10 years, right? Yes, and these production yes. companies are doing this for more than 25 years, I think. Yes, so but, they, but in a siloed way, I would say, really. They, they yeah, did yeah, it, sure. but in their manufacturing uh, yeah, yeah, domains, yeah. Not, yeah. not outside of these. And I, I can't definitely can't speak for all companies, but at least based on my experience, uh, which goes back quite many years, I can say. I have never seen companies who are um, operating this at a quality management system level in full. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Actually, uh, that is where uh, the Lean Six Sigma has come in. For example, Lean and Six Sigma combined together. Uh, you're saying like uh, the service industry adopt Lean a lot, yes. Um, at the same time, if they also add the data um, uh, capability to the Lean, it'll be very powerful. And I've seen in my past experience, um, you know, like uh, where the Lean and Six Sigma are both combined together. Um, very simple thing. I have a Kaizen to improve the lead time or uh, the, the time, uh, the cycle time, overall cycle time. Uh, I want to improve it. So I have the, uh, the data before and data after. If I just make a statistical comparison to show that the improvement is statistically significant, that's a big jump. You know, instead of uh, just saying like, yeah, based on the perception, I say that, yeah, it has improved. Uh, the statistics shows that there is a significant improvement, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, a, it's also an interesting example, right? So if we look at one of the process miners of the, the years, yours, which uh, has done a great use case of FACO, we can share it also after the, after the meeting. But um, they had uh, a lot of benefits in applying lean at first because they had yeah some big gains to make right so if there's still a lot of opportunity in the process to improve then mm. with these simple kind of lean principles removing waste mapping out the process you can gain a lot right yes but eventually you are coming to an edge where you cannot find any great opportunities anymore with that method so then you need to find something else in order to do so. And so you can either uh, look at Six Sigma tools, right, which are more in the margin uh, to look for statistical benefits or improvements, uh, or you can look at process mining where you can kind of combine both of them into, into one view. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's also, yeah, I think what's happening, right? So if you are at the beginning of the maturity, then you can still make a lot of big gains with yeah, the simple methodologies or more simple methodologies or uh, techniques from Lean. Um, and then eventually you have to move towards yeah, the more statistical method, of course. Yeah. Right. Uh, you're right about the example from, from yours. I think that's a really good fit here and we will make sure to include that uh, with the show notes. And I think the interesting thing there is that yeah, they already did Lean and Six Sigma and then process mining actually gave them this additional edge, yeah, right, of further improving. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the main reasons was related to what was Jan saying earlier, the communication aspect. So actually bringing in the people who are working in these different specialties and, and getting their domain knowledge and their input to get ideas for what can actually be done differently and how the process can be organized in a different way. Yes, so, yes. so it's, yeah, lean and six sigma, and then process mining together. So that's really, I think, the the winning combination. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was a question from uh, Joshua uh, about more background information about CPK, but we are going to share that uh, after yeah. the session, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah we are yeah. running a little bit out of time. Is there any, anything? Any last words you want to share for the process miners who are watching this? Any tips or? Um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I want to thank uh, Fluxicon in this case to provide the opportunity to share this learning. Uh, and it's also speaking for, for us and our experience. I think um, what we did is definitely not restricted to the usage we had in, in our company, which is Philips, but it, it, it's beneficial to any process, I would say. Uh, we looked at a loan process. Uh, I gave a few examples of processes where we used it for. So I want to go that far to say you can use it for any process, as long as you meet the requirements to process mining, of course. Um, so I, I would like to invite everyone who was in this session to also provide any feedback to us. Um, and even if that would be offline, um, you can find us somehow <laughs> on the LinkedIn. via, yeah. via LinkedIn yeah. or whatever. And we are happy to, um, to yes. share any information uh, and maybe also learn from experience from the audience for sure. So we are a very open, we want to have an open network on this topic. Great. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to say Thank, something? Yes. Uh, Thank you very much to both of you and uh, for giving this opportunity to, um, you know, showcase our uh, uh, our experience. Um, and it's a learning. It's a, it's a platform for learning as well. For example, the feedback that we get from other people, uh, it'll be a good learning for us. Um, uh, and uh, Rudy, actually, I always uh, contact him whenever I have a problem uh, in doing kind of a thing, always helpful. Uh, thank you both uh, for uh, giving giving us this wonderful opportunity yeah thank you yeah thanks yeah. for sharing this with uh, with our community yes. and uh, it, it's great right so you have an idea and then uh, we, we get on a call and first we will look through the analysis together to give you give each yes. other some tips and tricks yes. but then eventually you come up with a new idea right and you start yes. to develop this idea and you start yes. to work it out you yes. start to explain and then discuss it together and it's some yes. yeah that, that's, that's great eh? that within um, these things we can develop things and then being able to share this as well so yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you all for the session. Thank you both, Jan and Mutu, yes. for for sharing this and also for yeah making this available as a template for the community. So that's yeah, it's really nice to be able to do things like that with the Prosmining community. And we will make sure to um, yeah forward any anyone who contacts us to you, and we will share your contact details also in the in the. Yeah, along with all the other links so people can contact you directly. So this is the beginning of a conversation. Uh, maybe we see each other all at the Prosmining Camp. It's 21st of June this year. Mm -hmm. um, if you yeah, haven't marked your calendar yet, uh, you should do that. I hope we yes, hope we we see will. you there. Sure, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank and, you all. And we will share yes. the link for the podcast, right? Yeah, for oh, the yeah. podcast. Yeah, we okay. will share Very it. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well, Thanks. Yeah. thank you very much. Thank it brings us to the end of the session. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye -bye. We will be back in six weeks or something. Uh, Rudy and I will talk about data preparation. So there will be another Postmining Cafe soon. And until then, um, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye.